0: You are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Truth Report. I'm Barry Newsbaum, the founder of American Truth Project. ATP was launched because America's national security is being threatened as never before. Our Republic and the rights guaranteed by our Constitution are facing dangerous new enemies, both foreign and domestic. The facts are clear, we are under attack. Our solution is to educate the public on the truths regarding critical security risks facing America as well as our most strategic ally, Israel. There are few quality sources dedicated to this purpose and just as scary as the fact the truth is often suppressed or even distorted by the mainstream media. But you probably already know that. Our team investigates and reveals the factual nature and magnitude of these threats and the best ways to address them. We the people have a right to know the truth, and ATP is here to bring it to you. We have four key issues. They are, first, radical Islam. The world is at war. Many date the start of that war to 9-11-01. The countries of the world that are not governed under Sharia law are now under constant attack. Every single week, new terror somewhere in Western civilization takes place, causing death and panic in the great cities of the world. Motivated through their local mosques, jihadists are working daily to destroy Western society and replace it with a worldwide caliphate. While the Western governments make excuses for Islam after each attack and the media ignores the fact that the war is already in full force, the violence continues and is increasing weekly. Complete societal changes are taking place to accommodate for these attacks. The new normal is here. Our mission is to educate and inform about the magnitude of this growing threat. Issue 2 homegrown terror the war against the freedoms and guarantees of our unique and so treasured american constitution has come to america's shores ignoring or minimizing this threat has allowed the cancer of radical islam to take hold throughout the american homeland attacks are taking place across america by murderers committed to the cause of raising the flag of the caliphate over the white house Often inspired by radical, anti-American sermons in their local American mosque, homegrown jihadists are causing terror from coast to coast. And sadly, law enforcement, for the most part, has been instructed to respond to homegrown terrorism as if they were, well, traditional criminal acts. Without an educated public and an empowered law enforcement community, in the near future, no Americans will be 100% safe anywhere in our country third issue us israel relations israel is the sole democracy in the middle east not only are they america's only ally in the entire middle east region they are on the front line of defending freedom in the world against the war raged by radical islam Every homegrown terror attack in the United States is descended from a similar attack in Israel where their government works 24-7 to defend its people against those sworn to destroy the Jewish state. The U.S.-Israel relationship is based not only on an unshakable commitment to shared values, but our interests as well. America and Israel are sister democracies dedicated to the rules of law, human rights, and freedom of speech and religion. The United States has a long-standing policy which declares that Israel's survival and security are important to its own national interests. The cooperation and close alliance between the US and Israel must be protected and encouraged. As part of this strategic partnership, America provides Israel with security assistance so it can defend itself against perpetual security threats. In turn, Israel works with the U.S. government sharing technologies and techniques that greatly benefit both nations in the realm of defense technology, homeland security, counterterrorism, and cybersecurity. Fourth issue Middle Eastern policy. Under President Obama, the United States had shifted its emphasis during those eight years from an ironclad alliance with Israel and a label of Iran as the world's leading sponsor of terrorism to an encouragement of rapprochement with the world's leading terrorist state, Iran. The U.S. gave Iran $150 billion and guaranteed their pathway to nuclear weapons while practically abandoning the more modern Arab states who feel Well, rejected by America, and who would not stand with them against terrorism? The Iran nuclear deal, the JCPOA, is the single worst foreign policy agreement ever made by the United States. It was forced on an American public and a Congress who were in strong opposition to its implementation. President Obama abandoned American interests while emboldening the radicals in Iran who daily work to destroy freedom throughout the world. President Trump called the Iran nuclear deal the worst in the history of American foreign policy, and you remember his pre-election promise to tear up the deal. Well, that deal has now been torn up. New cooperative agreements with the modern Arab states, moderate Arab states, and a possible new series of alliances in the fight against terrorism are happening now. The change back to sanity has begun under President Trump. We are now out of the JCPOA and the Middle East is shifting daily as accommodations are made by some countries to keep it in place, like Europe, while others support the new American position. For those that are curious, I have a long involvement in and around the political world. I have 30 years experience working on local, state, and national political campaigns and have been a consultant on a variety of campaigns over the years on both statewide and And a national level i've met with many key leaders both in politics and the advisors to those same politicians and i've been awarded a series of appointments over 13 years by four california gubernatorial administrations two for governor gray davis and then governor arnold schwarzenegger and finally governor jerry brown one more thing for those that wonder where my passion comes from both of my parents survived the Auschwitz Concentration Camp. For me, the issues of ATP are personal. Our Truth Report show will dive in deeply to one of the key issues of the day within the scope of our expertise. We will be bringing you our unique perspective often combined with VIP interviews with those in the know. For our first show on America's Voice, we have a very, very special guest for you my good friend, Dr. Gina Loudon. Gina and I have done many, many shows together, hundreds in fact, with me as her guest being interviewed, her as my guest interviewing her, and often sharing our political insights as two friends who just happen to have a camera pointed at them while we chat on the couch. Gina Loudon, Ph.D. is an author, an anchor, a columnist, a show host, and a frequent news commentator, you probably know her as the longtime host of America Trends on the U2 America TV network, and she's a very popular guest on a number of Fox News shows. She also works directly for President Trump. She studied design, communications, and psychology in college, and get this, she has two master's degrees and a PhD. Welcome, Gina. I am so happy to have you on as our guest today.
1: Hey B, it's so good to be on with you. I'm so excited for your show. So excited to be in Israel. You've told me so much and made me so excited uh, to be here today and especially to have uh, the amazing tour guides I do of your crew, your amazing daughter, and of course, your amazing uh, person here on the ground in Israel for your team. So it's an honor to be with you and it's windy because it's supposed to storm tomorrow here in Israel.
0: Well, you look great, and uh, I think you're enjoying Tel Aviv so far. Uh, you've got two great tour guides standing next to you. My daughter, uh, Ali and uh, Damon, our producer uh, at ATP Know Israel Inside and Out. Any questions you have, ask them. So, gee, what do you think of Israel so far?
1: So. I love it so far because, it, it, to me, it's kind of the culmination of a lot of really precious things to me. One is, you know, that I found out that I had Jewish heritage through my father's line, but I think it, I call it Jewish-ish, it still kind of counts, and, uh, and so I've always wanted to come for that reason, but also being a devout Christian, um, I'm just delighted to be here.
0: Well, I'm glad you're loving it. How did you end up in Israel all the way from Florida?
1: So I spoke at Mar-a-Lago at an event for, um, called Friends of Israel. And there, after my speech, the consul, the Miami-based uh, uh, American-Israeli consul, came to me and asked if I had ever been to Israel and if I were interested in coming. And so, of course, you know, my answer was absolutely yes. And so he connected me with what is a delegation of uh, women, and I will tell you, interestingly, oh, my nails, you don't wanna miss those. Interestingly, um, <laughs> my the delegation is um, a group of very feminist-oriented, um, not conservative women, Um, so I figure I have a lot of time to learn and be alone with God kind of and have this experience sort of to myself and to listen to them. I think it's good. I don't think we should be in an echo chamber all the time as conservatives. I think it's good to um, listen to them and to be sure that we still know what we're talking about, know why we believe what we believe. And so for me, um, I'm going to make the best of that, and I'm going to bring my family back and, uh, and hopefully someday see the one and only Barry here.
0: Okay, so uh, the nails are great. Props for that. And I would love to be your tour guide. Um, our family and your family will have a great time. Okay, Gina, we've got to take a quick break. Uh, stick around, America, and when we come back, we're going to ask Dr. Gina what it's like to work for the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. We're back with Dr. Gina live in Israel. I'm Barry Nussbaum here on America's Voice Network. All right. Inquiring minds want to know, what's it like to work for Donald J. Trump directly?
1: So the president, um, to know him is to love him. And I know that a lot of people say that, so it maybe sounds trite, but... I can't get over how sincere he is and how, how much he cares about other people. I'm super blessed in that I get to see the president when he's in his casual mode with his friends and his family, recovering from a week in the Beltway, recovering from the swamp, and kicking back with his friends and family and he he never ever sees me at an event that he doesn't call me over sometimes even if he's not meeting with the head of state invite me to sit down sometimes even if he is he's very friendly he's very impromptu but you knew that already and um He's just a very gracious person, and then the first thing he does is ask a thousand questions about me. These are the kinds of things you don't see. You know, When he's not portrayed this way in the media. But it is absolutely the truth, I can guarantee you. He always asks about my family. He always asks if there's anything he can do for me. He always asks if I'm having a good time. Um, he always tells me, thank you for what you do for me, always and always um, it tells me which appearances he's seen or hasn't seen always asks what show I'm going on next and if somebody's not having me on lately one time in particular I had a little kind of break from Sean Hannity because he was on all of the investigative stuff and he's like why aren't you on Sean's show and I said I don't know Mr. President you'd have to ask Sean and he said um, I'm gonna call him and sure enough he did and I was on the next week so it really cracks me up I think um, he's just he takes every relationship he has very very personally he's not what you see on TV even those even those news channels that are portraying him in a positive light they're not portraying the, the side of him that just really wants to nurture and love people full of compassion full of compassion full of tolerance um, a lot of people don't know for example his club Mar-a-Lago first of all let me say this belonging to a club in South Florida is is almost a prerequisite of living there it's the only access you have to the beach unless you happen to be a billionaire who lives on the beach but there are very few of those houses because it's a very small area Mar-a-Lago is the only club that was uh, permitting both Jews and blacks for a very long time, if it's not still true. And I, I'm having trouble verifying that to be 100% sure that it's still true today. But as within the, even the last couple of years, my understanding as a new Palm Beacher is that that is the case. How is that intolerant? How is that racist? You know, they paint a picture of him that is a complete lie, and it's an honor to stand for him every day.
0: Okay, so the President of the United States is your personal press and booking agent. We're impressed, way impressed. Let's talk about policy, G. What do you think of President Trump's exiting of the JCPOA, as you and I must have talked about dozens of times on the air over the last several years? Uh, if elected, he would do it. Well, he's done it. And what do you think about him moving the uh, United States embassy to, um, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, as was promised by every American president since uh, Bill Clinton in 1995. Remember, the Congress passed the law that uh, the U.S. Embassy would be in Jerusalem, and there was a waiver for only national security issues, and uh, bizarrely, every single president multiple times a year took the waiver. Clinton did it. Bush did it. Obama did it every single time the law was going to be enforced. And now, Trump kept his promise and allowed it to go forward. What are your thoughts?
1: I think that almost every decision the president has made would be one that if I could have had my way, I would have a wake up every day and smile because he's still my president. Um, Certainly, uh, the Iran nuclear deal pulling out of that was a very rational decision. It was very one sided. It wasn't accomplishing its goal, its stated goal anyway. Um, And um, and so it was it was a super smart thing. And I'm I'm thrilled to death with it. Um, As far as. Um, establishing uh Jerusalem again with the embassy that is um, I think it's something that we've been promised if I'm not mistaken since Clinton um, and every president I believe since Clinton has promised that they would do that and none of them ever fulfilled their promise. And this is what this president is. He's here to get a job done. You know, on the way here, I decided to listen to Art of the Deal again. And I did it on Audible on the plane. And uh, it was amazing to hear how many of the same threads, you know, ran through his thought back then even. He said, you know, he's about progress. He's about getting things done. He likes to get a checklist and then get things done. You look at what he's doing right now with North Korea, phenomenal. And the only thing I can think that I really took exception to that the president has done initially were the tariffs, but the moment that uh, I stopped to consider what I know of this president, what I've known of this president from the day he came down that escalator, that is that he always has a goal in mind. He's the Babe Ruth of presidents. He points and he figures out a way to get it exactly where he said it's going to land. So the minute the tariff thing happened, I know being a free marketer, that is not in his core. But I also knew that he had a purpose that was greater than some bickering over tariffs. And sure enough, it didn't even, what did it take a week? It didn't even take any time. And the president accomplishes another goal. So you can't be too proud of this president. We've never had someone like this. I'm sorry, he's better than Reagan. And I know that it's like, you know, I'm not supposed to say that, but he is better. And I've never seen somebody who is so committed to the American people. And I'm so thankful, Barry, because I think back to the days when you and I first met and you were doing my show and you said things like, like that he had no other motivation except to do a good thing and it's so true and now that I've gotten to know his family very well from again being in Palm Beach and Mar-a-Lago with them and gotten to know him I can tell you he's not done and if anyone's impatient it's him because I think I was thought I was the most impatient person in the world but I'm pretty sure he's more impatient and uh, we're going to see more great things out of this president as he continues.
0: You know, that reminds me of all those shows we were doing several years ago when everyone said not a chance Donald Trump was going to be president let alone get through the primaries and if you remember yours truly me predicted he could win. And then I predicted he would when it was him versus Clinton And, uh, well, at least on that one, I was right. So, I know he's got a lot of big things coming. I won't ask you to predict, but let's talk about on-the-ground politics now in Israel. Uh, You've got the constant potential invasion by Hamas operatives and their thousands of lackeys coming to the fence on the border with Israel every day, launching firebombs, shooting guns, planting explosives, cutting the fence, proclaiming they will cut the hearts out of the Jews and kill them all. When we come back from this break, Gina, I'd like you to be thinking about why it is the left in America will not recognize the truth about Israel, why Israel is always wrong, and they're continually getting demonized. We'll be right back. We're back with more of Dr. Gina live from Israel. Tell the truth. Why is it so slanted against Israel as if to demonize Israel no matter what the truth is? What are your thoughts on that?
1: So Mary, I mean, I don't want to put it this way, but I honestly don't know how else to put it. The Democrats have sided with terror in this particular uh, instance. And, And I really feel like, you know, I think this is going to be the demise of the Democrat Party. I truly do. None of the decisions they're making are, are rational at this point. Certainly, siding with terror is not rational. Uh, certainly, deciding against—I'm sorry—siding against, uh, I'm sorry, citing against um, for example, angel moms it with regard to the ms-13 as they did recently as nancy pelosi very clearly did um certainly citing um you know against life at at every turn when you have a lot of pro-life Dixiecrats, a lot of pro-life democrats in the rust belt too that want to be represented um the fact that nancy pelosi and her ilk completely control the money inside of politics is the problem for the democrats because that doesn't speak to the rank and file democrats And um, they're they're destroying their own party from within. And I hope they kind of stay the course that they're on right now, because I think that um, it will mean the total implosion of the Democrat Party. And I don't know what happens next. And we might end up in a three party system. I could see that happening, which would give Republicans a massive advantage.
0: You know, your comment about Nancy Pelosi uh, is interesting. I'm hearing more and more from pundits in the United States that nancy pelosi is the best thing that ever happened to the republican party and if she stays in her position as minority leader wanting to become a speaker again should the democrats recover um, a majority in the house of representatives uh, that scares a lot of people towards um, the other side of the political fence we'll see if you're right or not so going back to israel uh, the embassy gets moved obviously there was a ceremony a few weeks ago tell me something why is it that after voting over and over and over again for the embassy to be placed in Jerusalem where it belongs I mean as you and I both know uh, Israel is the only country in the world that for some weirdo reason doesn't get to uh, name their own capital and doesn't get to tell other countries where the embassy should go So the United States finally honors its law in place since 95, Trump makes the decision, why did not one single Democrat who voted for that law or supported that law since 95 make the trip to Israel? What do you make of that, Dr. G?
1: Well, the answer to that is is simple, Barry. The the Democrats couldn't attend uh, the event like the opening of the embassy here because they don't tolerate dissent in any way, shape, or form. When they talk about tolerance, they're actually the most intolerant. Um, and and why they um, they talk about you know. St- staying close to the American people and standing up for the little guy they're not the ones standing up for the little guy there's no little guy than Israel look where Israel's located geographically doesn't exactly take a a, ra- a rocket scientist fi- rocket scientist to figure that out and so uh, they're not standing for the little guy they're not standing for the victims anymore um, they're not standing against terror they're not standing even up for the American people at this point um, and and I so I think that they're monolithic groupthink has put them in a place, you know, it, it really is, it's, as, a, as, a, as a therapist, you're never supposed to diagnose someone without having a clinical evaluation, well, let me say, I've clinically evaluated the Trump derangement syndrome folks out there, and I can tell you their derangement has gone so far, it has become self-destructive, and, and that's where they are now. So, it's uh, you know, history's going to tell this story about the greatest president that America's ever had, the one who not only saved America, but quite possibly had a lot of influence in saving uh, countries like Israel, who also appreciate their freedom and their religious freedom.
0: Trump derangement syndrome, I totally love it. You know, I've been making comments for um, 18 months now about the Democrat party has become the party of, we hate Trump so much, let me count the ways. Uh, It's shocking how It has become the party of we hate Trump, don't we? And I wonder what the views of middle America are going to be at the next election when they can choose between Trump and we hate Trump. If that's the choice, it's not going to bode well for their party. In the meantime, what do you make of the partisanship of the Democrat Party to the point of not participating in certain areas where you would think they would be very supportive. In other words, there's very, very little, if any, crossing that uh, imaginary red line in the House and in the Senate to the other side, even if it's one of their issues. What are your thoughts, G?
1: So, Barry. Partisanship has become the solitary moniker of the Democrat Party. It is all they know. They can't even stand with the president on the the smallest of issues that you think everyone could agree on. You know, for example, they held up the nomination of Richard Grinnell as ambassador to Germany, the first gay, outwardly gay ambassador ever appointed. It didn't happen by Obama. It didn't happen. You know, it happened... Um, you know, with with President Trump and the Democrats held that up. I, I look at uh, many of the uh, c- confirmations they're hanging up, many of the bills holding up rather, many of the bills that they're um, not letting pass, many of the initiatives that the president has that um, speak exactly to things that the Democrats say they've always supported, and yet they um, they're not supporting it now. So it is this true Trump derangement syndrome. It is truly. Um, <sighs> I would say more than a neurosis. I'd say we're close to a psychopathy because when it becomes about endangering lives, as the president illustrated last week in his, his tweet, um, and as I think we're seeing, especially um, when you have things like, you know, people dying, you know, in Israel, and then the, and then the media is complicit. And this is the other thing about this that is so upsetting. When you look at Spygate, for example, there is no no other instance in history where we have had such a crime such corruption that the media hasn't been out there trying to doggedly expose it right in this instance and if you look at the difference between watergate and this this is a big one aside from the fact that watergate was peanuts compared to Spygate, but the difference is that the media is complicit in covering this crime up and i think that is um it's a notable point in our history i think americans are discerning this And, um, you know, you have your two coasts, your crazy coasts. you got New York and California. Aside from that, I think the rest of America is going, what? And I meet people every day that feel exactly the same way. And let me say one other thing. I'm sure you've made this point on your show a lot, but it was interesting to me. I have not met a single person that was not for the embassy being moved to Jerusalem. Not one person uh, in Israel who is a citizen here who disagrees with it the only people I've met that disagree with it are the women on my delegation tour from the United States mostly coastal there you go
0: well if that's who you're traveling with um, gee, my uh, my hats off to you uh, for your patience uh, I can tell you having been in Israel uh, there's unanimity among the citizens of Israel for uh, a tremendous amount of gratitude to the American people and especially to the American president for honoring their capital and it's not just that Jerusalem was something recent you know sort of like uh, Washington DC picked in the uh, late 18th century Jerusalem has been the capital of the Jewish people for three thousand years it's mentioned in the Bible over six hundred times as the capital of the Jewish people and yet it's the only country in the world that The whole world doesn't support that narrative it's it's bizarre and you know on a corollary to that Dr. Gina why is it that the Palestinians who are trying to kill Jews every day in Gaza are the victims and Israel is the aggressor and it's not just the media it's uh, the entire left-wing progressive movement in America how in the world Can you explain this?
1: There's a really insidious answer to this, Barry, and it really has to do with the Democrats and the fact that they can't get American citizens to vote for them. Therefore, they have to make a ton of concessions. Um, It's Machiavellian, really. And um, I would say it's... um, totalitarian in a lot of ways um, one of the concessions that they have to make is that they have to try to make all illegals legal because if you can't get American citizens to vote for you then you have to get foreign citizens to vote for you to do that they have to have a lot of money to be elected so all that money has to come from the extreme left like Nancy Pelosi therefore they have to espouse Nancy Pelosi's narrative um, and have zero tolerance for any dissent and that's why they have to decide they have to side with terrorists in Israel, you would think because they have such a large population of voters who are are Jews in in the states that maybe they would want to speak to them. I don't know what's happened to most Jewish people in the United States. Certainly not all. I have a lot of good conservative Jewish friends that understand the Israeli issues, but they've even uh, they've e- well in the U.S. I do, but they've even. Um, they, they've even, you know, some some of the people in the United States who are Jewish have even now just kind of started to deny Israel whatsoever, which is really confusing for someone like me. But... Um, But here, I think it's important to point out, like on the Gaza Strip, there's a lot of misinformation and a lot that isn't spoken in the media, even by some of our allies. Things like the fact that many of the people that look like unarmed citizenry are actually uh, soldiers, right? They're actually soldiers. They're not innocent civilians. That's why they're sticking their children out there. It's, It's... It's a terrorist act, what they're doing. And and the American media often doesn't portray it that way. And then they tell the stories of, like, the 60 deaths. Well, nobody said that 53 of those deaths are known by Israeli intelligence as already terror suspects. 53 of the 60 deaths were far from innocent. And there may have been some crossfire there. But again, that fault would lie only with the terrorists who Put them in harm's way, even if they were innocent. So, where is the accusation? Where is the blame? Another interesting thing: if you go here in Israel um, to um, Palestinian or Arab settlements, um, you you won't see security. But if you go to Jewish settlements, you will absolutely see security wherever. Wherever there are crowds of Jewish people, there's security everywhere, and especially Jewish neighborhoods, Jewish uh, temples, things like that. And that's, you, you, I mean, you, common sense dictates what that means. If they don't need security, and Jewish people do need security, then the aggressor cannot be the Israeli Jew. It just can't be. It doesn't make logical sense. Why don't they need security? It's because no one's attacking them. That's only on the Gaza Strip. And that's something that's unfairly portrayed, I think, about Israel in general, is that it's all the Gaza Strip. It's not the Gaza Strip. And let's also remember how the Gaza Strip was established in the first place. That was the U.N. That was not Donald Trump. That was not anybody else. That was the U.N. And I think that's an important thing that's missed a lot in media as well.
0: A couple of great points there, G., Uh, I love the fact that you point out a statistic that sadly doesn't make it much into the American media and certainly not into Europe and absolutely not at the UN. We're going to go to our last break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on in Gaza, why the truth is so important to be told and why the American-Israel alliance is so important, especially in today's world. We'll be right back. We're back with Dr. Gina Loudon. We uh, were talking about Gaza and the violence before the break. A vast supermajority of the actual deaths um, during the attacks on Israel from the Gaza Strip are Hamas operatives. In other words, these are terrorist soldiers intent on penetrating into Israel. And it's not just Israeli intelligence, as you point out, that notes Uh, that statistics. Um, Quite frankly, it's Hamas leadership is bragging upon it uh, on um, Arabic television stations saying those are our uh, Mujahideen that are dying and we're proud of it and they are Shahids. They're sacrificing themselves for the Palestinian cause. They're not even lying about it. They're bragging about it. I, I really appreciate, by the way, your other point Uh, Who needs security inside of Israel? Uh, Arab neighborhoods don't. Uh, There aren't suicide bombers uh, strapping bombs to their bodies and walking into supermarkets in Arab neighborhoods uh, representing the local Christian community or the uh, synagogue over the hill. But I've got news for you. Uh, There are guards around the Christian churches and around the Jewish synagogues because there are other people that are very likely to walk in with a suicide vest to take as many of those infidels uh, to heaven or hell with them. All right, you're in Israel. Now you've got a firsthand look at uh, facts on the ground. Why is it important for Israel and the United States to be close, especially why is it so important, Gina? For America to remain an ally of Israel, tell us on a political level and maybe a personal level as well.
1: America has to remain a strong ally of Israel for so many reasons, and the and the most um, the most pertinent one, honestly, is um, a, a religious reason, at least for me. And I know that that you're not supposed to ever say that, but it's true. I mean, it it, it is the um, it's the established. Uh, doctrinal um, law as God writes it in the Bible, and so to defy that, I think is uh, really going to reap a lot of havoc um, and i don 't believe that we will ever because I think it 's biblical I think it 's all written and we 've seen it uh, play itself out, and I think we're really seeing some amazing biblical times right in this moment, but um, but also because of the defeat of terror, if the more we tolerate terror in any place, especially in a small country like Israel that really has no way to defend itself if America should turn her back on Israel. Um, That would be, that would have devastating consequences that would would reverberate all over the entire continent. And so I think that, um, and, and to America as well. And so I think that we really have no choice. Uh, Politically, geopolitically, um, certainly biblically, certainly religiously, for purposes of religious freedom, for purposes of defeating terror. I think we have absolutely no choice.
0: It's been said that Israel is the canary in the coal mine on the front lines against terror. Talk a little bit about that and, and maybe about the successes of the state of Israel and why that's important. Uh, does it remind you of uh, the United States? Is there some similarity between the two countries?
1: So so for illustration purposes, I think we have to consider, you know, with the size of Israel, the location of Israel, um, its borders, um, its struggle, its history, We have to consider that really it is the canary in the coal mine regarding our struggle with terror worldwide. And um, and this is such a historic problem also. Oh, and I know the other thing I wanted to say was that um, I think that you have to consider Israel in so many ways is um, an economic hub. I mean, what they do with such a small population and such a vast uh, GDP comparatively, um, what they do in terms of technology, what they contribute to the world. Um, Israel has done things very much the American way it's a very different country, but it 's done things very much the American way, and our ideals are shared not just in terms of religion and things like that, but also in terms of business, in terms of free market economics um, in terms of freedom of religion, um, in terms of uh, governance, even in some ways, um, certainly at least under this administ- president administration and so um, so I think that it 's very important that America maintain um, not just a great relationship with Israel, but also in defense of Israel should should she need us because um, because of that history and because of that likeness and because it is um, it, it is sort of our message on the world scale.
0: I can't believe you're there, I'm here, and you're talking to me from Israel <laughs> with my daughter and our producer on the streets of Tel Aviv. It's such a thrill after all these years to see that you finally made it. You know, we've been through a lot together and finally you're in the land of Israel. I'm so glad you made it.
1: Barry, I have to tell you, and I call you B, you call me G, um, I have to tell you, it's just a really big honor um, to be on your show, and it was always an honor to have your friendship and support, Um, and we went through some very interesting trying times together. We were pulling for this president when it seemed like no one else in the whole world was pulling for this president except you and me, and we're trying to uh, hold each other up in that, and um, I could not be more pleased for you and your success. I miss you dearly. And that is the truth. And I wish you all success. And uh, if it weren't for you, I would not be on this trip. I would not be in this country because you helped me fall in love uh, with Israel. And um, I can't thank you enough for that. Love you, B.
0: Thanks, Dr. G, for those very kind words. It was a real pleasure and an honor to have you here on our first show for America's Voice. Uh, It means a lot to me, and uh, I know we're gonna do it again. And to you, America, thanks for joining us on the Truth Report. You can always write to me by sending me a note at barry at americantruthproject.org. I promise to get back to you. And if you go to our website, you'll be able to sign up for all of these episodes absolutely for free. And you'll never miss any of them. We also publish quite a bit, and it's always available for free, both on the website and by email. Again, thanks for joining us today.